0: Amen. I love music. I love music. I, I I just you know, the only music that I can do that sounds good is music by the original artist on a radio or phone or something. I just love music. Good songs. I love the first the first song. Uh, and can, can it be, uh, there was a line that stood out to me, uh, Adam, what was it, Adam's helpless race? Is that what it said? Something like that? Wow. So if it was, he wrote that song as his song of salvation, recognizing uh, that he was part of Adam's helpless race. Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for your love for us. And we thank you that you made a way for us to no longer be helpless. You made a way because we couldn't do it on our own. We were on the outside looking in. And you've brought us into your family. The reality of that is such a blessing. Father, I think we can have some idea of what that means here, but we will have even an even larger picture of that when we finally are with you in eternity. Father I, give the, Father, I pray that you will give us a taste of that today. That you will remind us Of your salvation today and all the things that go with it. Father, I pray that we will value your salvation today and even more so. Father, if we've been in a place where we haven't valued your salvation, I pray that you will bring us to that place today. Thank you that you speak to us. Thank you that you are not far off. Thank you that you did not set this world in motion and then let it be, but that you are here, nearby, close, active, working and moving constantly. Thank you that your love is so much bigger, more vast. Deeper than what we can imagine or even understand. Father, we pray that you will open our hearts to you, to your Holy Spirit this morning. That we would value your presence among us. That we would worship your presence. That we would uh, soak in your presence today. In Jesus name we pray amen amen if you have your Bibles turn to Ephesians chapter two we have been walking through Ephesians and uh, uh, we've been looking at looking at who we are in Christ and I'll tell you um, I'm, I, uh, I, I love this is my favorite way to preach. I love walking through a book like this and, and spending time in it like this. And I know that for me, I, would, I think we could spend probably 50 weeks in Ephesians, and I would love that. Uh, you know, We're told by that, those guys, them, that, you know, that uh, 12 weeks even is too long for a sermon series. I don't know who those guys are or them, but you know, some people get tired of being on the same idea, but this is, I could stay in this for a whole year. Um, but I really enjoy this book. And, um, and as much as I enjoy this book and the things that are in this book, it amazes me and I'm the kind of guy who, uh, as I walk through each week, the things that happen in each week affect me and affect how I study and affect what I hear and, and it just all plays together. And I don't believe that's coincidence that that, that happens. Uh, I believe God has a plan and he's piecing things together. And so there's a couple different things that happened to me this week or that I was a part of or conversations that I had that I think goes directly into the things that I studied here this week. And so I'm a little emotional today Um, because of that. I would say part of it's emotion, part of it's just uh, maybe a heaviness that I'm feeling. So I have four points, I don't know that we're doing all four, I don't, um, we're just going to talk about this today. So um, if you have, uh, we're in Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to ask you to stand as I attempt to read the second half of the chapter. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You may be seated. Last week we were in the first part of chapter two. We talked about four different things. One that we were once in darkness, two, that God's love, grace, and mercy gave us Jesus. Three, we're alive in Christ. And four, we were created to do good works. Uh, today, as we stand here and as we look at the second half of chapter two, I don't think the message has changed much at all. It's just continued and it's saying the same exact thing for us, just in a little bit different way. Um, so my first point is this. Last week, my first point was what? Anyone remember? Anyone want to say I just said it? We were once in darkness. This week, my first point is, we were once outsiders. (laughs) Who knows what it feels like to be an outsider? Who's never been an outsider? Okay, I don't see any hands going up. We all know what it feels like to be outsiders, don't we? We all know what it feels like to be on the outside of a situation looking in and wanting to be on the inside. And as we look at... This here, the outsiders that we once were, were people that were outside of God. Uh, My question today, as we think about this, is who are the outsiders in our culture and our culture today? Christians. In our context, though, who are outsiders? I think Christians, that's true. In our world today, Christians can be considered outsiders. Who else are considered outsiders? I hear like weak mumbling. Be strong in an answer. What's that? Old, Old? okay. Who else? Immigrants, Immigrants? okay. The The homeless. Anybody that's not us. In this situation, we're looking at specifically the whole debate between Jew and Gentile and what they were what was expected of the Gentiles compared to the Jews and the Jews, what the Jews thought the Gentiles needed to do in order to be saved. And there was a lot of the whole idea of circumcision, uncircumcision, whatever it was. And where do we follow? What do we—and this whole conversation leads to eventually the church fathers coming together and discussing, saying, what are the things that matter? And when we were back in the book of Acts, we talked about this, and we talked about that they came together and said, you know what, there are certain things, avoid foods, sacrifice. The idols, you know, uh, remain sexually pure, worship God. And it said, don't get hung up on the things that don't really matter. What I want us to remember is that we were once outsiders. I don't know that anyone in this room is Jewish. That would make all of us Gentiles. It means we were originally outsiders according to god's plan outside of that original plan but god made a way for us to come in and be part of it i think in every sense in every sense most any of us could feel like outsiders very rarely do we probably feel like we're insiders. I dealt with youth ministry most of my life and uh, had a fun thing of watching youth and how they were insiders and outsiders. And I would guarantee that at any moment in time, any one particular youth felt on the outside no matter how their peers saw them. You understand what I'm saying? You would have peers that would look at them and say, oh, that person's on the inside. But if you sat down with that person, that person would be like, nope, I feel like I'm on the outside. Uh, We always feel that way. We often feel that way. The thing about outsiders is that rarely do they invite themselves in. And even when they do try to invite themselves in, rarely are they accepted unless they are asked to come in and be part of a group. When I was growing up, I was an army brat. My dad was in the military, moved around a lot. Moved around a lot. Uh, as a result of different movings and buying houses and those kinds of things, went to a lot of different schools. Uh, you know, elementary school, kindergarten was in Michigan. First half of elementary school was in Arizona. Second half of elementary school was Hawaii. Yeah, that was tough. Um, but even there, the last day of school was known as Local Kill Howley Day. Howley was anyone that had lived outside of uh, Hawaii or Guam, so that would have been me. And uh, we were considered outsiders there in Hawaii. Uh, seventh and eighth grade was on the military base in North Carolina. Ninth grade, we went off the military base, to a new junior high. Uh, Halfway through ninth grade, parents bought a house, and so that went to a different school halfway through ninth grade. So uh, seventh and eighth grade at one school, ninth grade at two different schools. Tenth grade is then a new school because that started senior high because it used to be the junior high and senior high. So tenth grade was a new school. Uh, 11th grade, mom and dad decided to put us in a Christian school. So we were there at a Christian school for 11th grade. So another school. And then we moved to Atlanta. So 12th grade was a new school. So how many schools was that? I lost track. Um, Felt like an outsider. Felt like an outsider. Uh, Then I came to Toccoa, new school, my freshman year. Hey, I stayed all four years. Uh, Uh, Didn't feel like an outsider. Except that I did when I came in as a freshman. And even though I found friends, even trying to reach up, and, and I hope there's none here, but man, I didn't feel like there was much reaching down from those uh, upperclassmen. Maybe that's just how it is. Upperclassmen, we're upperclassmen. We're not going to reach down to you freshmen. Freshmen. I made a point in my freshman year to say, when I'm a junior, when I'm a senior, I want to know the Freshmen. Mainly because I wanted to know the people that I got to know. I looked for people because I moved around so much and was new so much. I looked for the people that were on the outside. And I wanted to reach out and help them feel like they were on the inside. And I, and I believe that was because that's what I feel like. Because I know that's what Jesus did for me. He took me to someone that was on the outside and he brought me in. And the reality is that's the only outside and inside that matters. That's the only outside and inside that matters. Is that we are either inside the family of God or we're not. And I think those are the only two things, and really even in that, those are the only two things that, that we should look at when we see people. Those are the only two things I think that we should, I mean, we see people for who they are and who God created them to be and their special abilities and their special skills and all of those things, and I think we should see all of those things, but the only things that really matter is is this person inside the family of God or outside the family of God? Those are the two things that matter. Matthew 25, verse 34 through 40. If you have your Bibles, we'll flip over there real quick. Matthew 25. It talks about the least of these Starting verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, you came to visit me. Righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we... See you hungry, feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger, invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did you see the sick or in person, or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, I tell you, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. For me, this is someone that's not looking at the poor people. Not identifying them as different, just seeing them as people that Jesus would love and they're just taking care of love. They're making them, they're trying to treat them as insiders and they're acting like they're insiders. They're caring for them as Jesus cares for us. I think that we need to remember that we were once outsiders and feel and remember what it feels like to be outside of God's love. I think one of the difficult things is we get so used to being on the inside of God's love that we forget what it feels like to be on the outside of God's love. And that there are a bunch of people that are on the outside of God's love. I'm thankful every single day that I'm on the inside of God's love. Do we value our salvation? Jesus made a way. Second thing I want to see, Jesus made a way. Verses 13 through 16. And I'm going to say it again. Here here we go. You want to know how to share the gospel with someone? Just read them chapter 2 of Ephesians. Uh, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. He purposed, His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And as Paul is writing, he's talking about there were two. There were two. There were only two. There were the Jews, and then there was everybody else. But now through Jesus, there's now what? There's just, there's just one. There's one. Everyone now is human race has access to Jesus. That's it. Everyone has access to Jesus. So now the only dividing line is do they know Jesus or do they not know Jesus? That's the only dividing line that's there. When I think about one of the guys that I enjoy reading is a guy named Greg Steer and he uh, Founded a ministry called Dare to Share Ministries, and he says that he, uh, when he came to know Jesus, he was part, he's Italian, and he's got a bunch of uncles that are Italian because, well, he's Italian, so, and his dad was Italian, his grandfather's Italian, he's pretty sure that they were doing things that what are hypothetical, that's, that's not the stereotypical Italian guys might be involved in. He's pretty sure they were involved in all of those things. Um, And he was not uh, quite the same size. He talks about he was not quite the same size as his uncles. uh, And he was much smaller than they were. And they were all big Italian guys involved in things. And he came to know Jesus. And all he could do was look at them and want to share Jesus with them. He says, eventually he did, and they came to know Jesus. And he says, and they went from being an Italian family that did one thing to an Italian family that loved Jesus. And uh, people, he thinks that his uncles often scared people into wanting to love Jesus. (laughs) But one of the stories he talks about, his heart was so broken for the losses that he would sit in the mall and just look at people. Who enjoys people watching? And he would imagine that as he was sitting there that they would have these neon signs above their head that just said, lost. It just said, lost. When he looked at people, he saw lost until he got a chance to meet them and know them and find out whether or not they were saved. And that was a big deal for him. And I appreciate that story because, man, I just, it just comes up all the time, especially when I'm in a crowd. Yesterday, we're sitting out here with the, uh, with the stuff sale. And as I watch people come in, all I can do is sit there and think: Do they know Jesus, or not? Do they know some version of Jesus, or do they know Jesus? And we were offering them used stuff. Now I'm not saying that's bad, but man, I just there was something there that I'm just like: What? Well, we need to be. We well, want to offer these people Jesus and maybe that's a starting step of relationship that with someone who came on our campus and now might feel comfortable to come back again. I don't know. Or maybe they recognize us at a store and say, "Hey, weren't you the one selling, yeah, maybe I don't know." I pray that something does. Jesus made a way. You want to know how to share Jesus? Read Him chapter 2 because it's all there. Sit down with someone and explain it, and it's the an opportunity to show us and see that Jesus made a way for us to go from one outside group to the other group that is inside, and that is His family. And that's exactly what the third point is. We are now members of God's household. We are now members of God's household. We are now on the inside. We were once outsiders. Jesus made a way. And now we were inside of God's house. And that is a huge privilege. We are no longer outsiders. Verse 19, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Who's excited about that? We should be excited about that. Every day we should wake up excited to be a member of God's household, because God has done everything. He has made everything. And he didn't make I mean, have you ever put something together from IKEA or anywhere else? The last thing we really put together was our grill from Walmart. We thought we were getting help from two of our kids. Um, it still took us like eight hours. And God put together the whole universe at the what? At his, with His voice. God, that's who God is. God is way bigger than any of us get or understand or even can understand. And we are part of His household. We are no longer outsiders. We belong. And so, His family, what do we get? What do we get as family? When I think about, okay, what does family get? I always think of of the, the story of the prodigal son. So if you want to flip over to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verses 25 through 32. This is him when he's come home. The son has gone out. He's done his thing. He's like, the pigs eat better than this. I'm going home. He was on the outside, and he wants to come and be inside. Verse 25, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What's going on? He says, Your brother has come, he replied, And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has come back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You have never, you never, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fat and calf for him. Verse 31. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad because the brother of yours who was dead is alive again. He was lost and he's found. What do we have as family? Everything. We have everything. We have everything. Everything that God has, we have. Everything that He has is ours. We have access to everything. What do the lost have? Nothing. We were once lost. We once had nothing. And now we have everything. Who, who, who would rather go, who would want nothing? Who would rather have everything? Who wants to go from nothing to everything? Yes. There are a lot of people out there that have nothing. He's called a son. He says he's always with me. He says, everything I have is yours. I get to call him Father. I get to be with him all the time. It said uh, in the beginning of up there in Ephesians 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We are near God. We didn't used to have that. Now we do. Everything we have, everything he has is yours. The last few verses here in chapter 2, uh, it's talking to the church and the fact that we're called to be unified. Verses 21 and 22, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and, him, and in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Um, guys, we, don't, we, don't, we are being joined together. We are being built together. As part of God's family, as part of his household, we are being joined together, we're being built together. And this is the exciting thing. We referenced these verses a few weeks ago when we talked about we are the church. We are the church, not this place, but we are the church. And we are being joined together and built together. And that's why it's important for us to come together. But when we come together, we've got to remember that the reason we're coming together is for his spirit so that we can show this world who has nothing and are outsiders, that they can come and become insiders like we are. Because if all we ever do is come together and focus on that, then we're missing the point. Here We don't deal with, or do we? We don't deal specifically with the Jewish-Gentile divide, but yet we do divide with other things. We do deal with other things in our culture, don't we? What are those things that force us apart in our culture? culture right now as far as believers go? Politics. Anything else? What's that? Okay. Black and white. Color. Denominational. There's a denominational divide. Isn't there? I think there's a generational gap that we have to deal with. Our political position, our style separation. I like this style of music. I like that style of music. It separates us. These are all different things that separate us. That keep us from being unified. That keep us from being built together and joined together. I had a pastor in North Carolina that called me uh, liberal. He would call me liberal. He says, you're so liberal. And I'd be like, okay, no, stop. I'm not liberal. I'm just as conservative as you are. Please don't tell people I'm liberal. Okay, because when you hear liberal, you think of certain things. I'm not liberal. I'm conservative. Now, I might be contemporary, and you might be more traditional, but please don't call me liberal. Those are different things. Yet those are things that divide us, aren't they? <sighs> now, this doesn't mean we, have dif- we don't have differences, thoughts, and different ideas as we are being built together and joined together. It doesn't mean that we have to agree on every single little thing. But what I think it does mean is that we have to be unified as we do ministry together with the same heart. And that heart is a heart after Jesus. Okay? Okay? I think we can have differences. I think we can believe different things. I think we can even hold on to some things that might be a little bit different. But our heart is to do ministry and our heart is to love Jesus and we need to agree on that together. And we can't get stuck on some of those little things. And we could sit here and say, yeah, but I'm right and I have the mind of Christ. Well, then you're saying I'm wrong and I don't have the mind of Christ. We gotta be very careful in that. We gotta be very careful in that. Because we also can't be so arrogant to think that we have it all together and we know it all and we're all right. Because my mind is far from as the mind of God. I can't even fathom the mind of God. We have to admit that we are still not perfect and that we are growing to perfection and we are not God and we have to be unified and work to be unified. But the purpose of being unified and joined together is to help the outsiders become insiders. I was talking with some folks this week. One of the things that really stands out to me that really bothers me right now um, Well, I've got a couple things. I'm going to share a couple things. And and yes, we've got to get to communion. And I have red numbers back there. But um, I was reading an article about uh, ants, uh, work ants, army ants, whatever they're called. Ants, red ants, black ants. And if you put red ants and black ants in a jar, they're two different kind of ants. And when you look into this jar, you see that they're two different kinds of ants. And how can you tell they're two different kinds of ants? One is red, one is black. And when you put them in this jar together, they go about their work and they're just fine and they actually work together and they don't have an issue. And they're fine. Until you take the jar and shake it. And now their situation is being disturbed. Once that happens, guess what they begin to do? They begin to attack each other. And the black ones don't attack the black ones and the red ones don't attack. They go at each other. Because they each think it's the other one's fault that this is happening. Yet, whose fault was it? Neither of theirs. There was an outside source that was causing that. I I think that there's a lot of things happening in our world today that we are blaming on this group or that group when really the outside source that's causing it is sin. And the reality of sin and sin is causing it. But our lost world doesn't understand sin and the effects of sin. Because I don't know that we've done a good job of teaching Jesus and what sin is about and how that affects those things. The other part is this. I'm real concerned about the way that we as Christians get hung up on things and hold on to certain things and we forget the world. We are called to be salt in this world. In order to be salt in this world, it means we have to be in this world. Jesus says we're supposed to be in this world, but not of this world. Yes, we are supposed to be separate from this world. We're supposed to, our focus should be on things that are separate. And that is God. We focus on God because the world doesn't focus on God. And if we're focusing on God, we're going to focus on the things that are holy, true, right, pure. Because the world doesn't focus on those things. And so that should just be an automatic thing that happens from the fruit of the Spirit within us, those things should happen. But we can't forget that we were at one point in the same place those folks are. When it comes to the political situation, and I don't know what side anyone lands on, and I hope that unless you've come and talked to me that you don't assume to know what side I land on. Because I think there's issues on both sides that need fixed. There's no one that I think has got it. Jesus has it. But I heard a comment that said, hey, let's just take all the one side and put them on that side of the country and all the other side and put them on that side of the country and 20 years from now, we'll see who gets it right. And I'm like, what are we doing? How, how does that do Anything? I'll tell you, I want to be around the lost in this world, because I want to be the light for them. If we separate out things, if we separate ourselves out, if we become a Christian bubble, so much so that we never have interaction with this world, how do we ever help anyone be who's an outsider become an insider? This should burden us. And then there's the way the church acts sometimes where we are not joined together or built together. And the outsiders look at us and say, why would I even want to be a part of it? I don't know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you today. And I don't even know if I've made much sense today. Maybe I've just rambled. But I hope that the Holy Spirit has taken these words and put them into your heart. Your mind to make you think about where you're at in your walk and where you live your life. We're gonna go into a time of communion. I think the worship team's coming. Are we doing a song next, Chris? No. We're gonna do a video. Don't start it yet. Don't start the video yet. We're gonna do a video. And when we watch this video, I want you to think about what the Holy Spirit is saying to you today. When the video is done, a question is going to come up on the screen, and, the screen, and I just want you to process the question that's coming up on the screen. Then we're going to go into a song. And then we're going to go into communion. I want us listening to the heart of Jesus this morning. And I want us to be unified can't be unified if there's sin in our life and we have to surrender that to God and say, God, uh, I've messed up. I'm sorry. Help me not to go in that direction. Repent of our sin. We can't be unified if we have something against a brother or a sister. Please, please don't. Please, if, if there's someone in this room that you need to talk to, go talk to them. If I've done something to offend you, please come talk to me because I'm too dumb to know I've done it. And I need you to talk to me and tell me. Okay? let's watch this video. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll watch this video. Father, thank you. Thank you that if we know you, we are no longer outsiders but we are part of your family. Father, help us to value our, our salvation and our membership in your family. At the same time, Lord, help us not to become so comfortable in your house that we forget there are people's That are still on the outside that need you. And you have set it up for us to bring them from the outside to the inside. Thank you, Jesus. Let's watch this video.
1: I invite you to stand and sing with us. Beneath the cross of Jesus i So if you have your
0: communion elements, I encourage you to take those out at this time. Go ahead and do the opening of those so we can get that sound out of the way. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 it's a celebration (laughs) because of his blood we now are washed white as snow we are cleansed we are made holy we can now be with the father we are part of his household we went from the outside to the inside because of what Jesus did on the cross and because of his victory over the grave Jesus we thank you for coming to this world as a baby for living a perfect life for being our perfect sacrifice the only perfect sacrifice that would take away our sin let's eat together And Jesus, we know that it's not anything we've done. Our good deeds are like filthy rags to you. It's only by the blood of Jesus, which I don't even completely understand how that all works. But you tell us it does, so we trust you. We come in faith, and we are thankful for that blood that washes us white as snow. That tore the curtain and allows us to access God through you. Thank you, Jesus, that you sit at his right hand. Thank you that you go to him on our behalf. Thank you that one day you will say, yes, they are not, they are no longer outsiders. They are part of our family. And that we'll spend eternity with you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's drink together. Thank you, Jesus, that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today, that you are near to us, that you gave us your Holy Spirit that works inside of us, that draws us to you, that draws us to truth. Thank you that you've opened our eyes so that we can see and we are no longer blind Thank you that we have access to everything that you have. Thank you that you are hope. Thank you that you are returning one day. Thank you that we will spend eternity with you in your kingdom. Father, burden us to take as many with us to your kingdom as we can. Burden us for those that are out there that don't know you or have some messed up view of you to show them your truth and to show them your love to help them go from the outside to inside of your family help us be in you and abide in you in such a way that we draw others to this family whether it be our action whether it be our deed whether it be our words our attitude, our heart whatever it might be Lord whatever it needs to be for you As we are in you, we would draw others to you also.